Welcome to Psyche Magic, a podcast about waking up to the subconscious via our nocturnal dreams. I'm your host, Jordan Hale. I'm a psychotherapist based in Nashville, Tennessee. Together, we'll learn to befriend the unknown and her deep well of wisdom. While aspects of this podcast may feel therapeutic, it is never meant to take the place of therapy. Welcome back to Psyche Magic. I'm really looking forward to sharing today's interview with you. It was one of those conversations that has burrowed its way into my psyche and continues to work on me in the days since. I'm grateful for this platform to create these conversations that feel like a tonic for the soul on a regular basis. And for my fellow warm and fuzzy lovers of a good DMC, which my Gen Z clients have taught me means deep, meaningful convo, I hope you enjoy it too. My guest today is Erica Cullum. Erica is a certified holistic life and business coach who helps people live more magical lives filled with ease and joy. She also identifies as a 21st century witch, intuitive entrepreneur, steward of planet Earth, and a dedicated partner and parent. Our conversation got me thinking about the notion of purpose and reminded me of James Hillman's acorn theory. This theory states that just as an acorn contains an imprint of an oak tree, each human bears a unique individual energy of the soul displayed throughout their lifetime and shown in their calling and life's work. While acknowledging the importance of external factors in the blossoming of this seed, Hillman suggests reconnection with a third superior factor beyond the age-old nature versus nurture debate. He states, quote, We dull our lives by the way we conceive them. We have stopped imagining them with any sort of romance, any fictional flair. So this book also picks up the romantic theme, daring to envision biography in terms of very large ideas, such as beauty, mystery, and myth, unquote. He ties this in with Plato's myth of error from the Republic, summarizing as such, quote, the soul of each of us is given a unique daemon before we are born and it has selected an image or pattern that we live on earth, a defining image. This soul companion, the daemon, guides us here. In the process of arrival, however, we forget all that took place and believe we come empty into the world. The daemon remembers what is in your image and belongs to your pattern, and therefore, the daemon is the carrier of your destiny. Unquote. Interestingly, the etymology of the word daemon has shifted over time from the Greek translating to deity or genius to Latin daemonic, where the meaning shifted to lesser or evil spirit. Quite a leap. I would be interested to see how this echoes cultural and religious shifts happening at the time around the rise of Catholicism, which pronounced all other belief systems to be false and misguided. As a mid-episode segment, I will read a poem from William Butler Yeats, who was famously interested in the concept of the daemon. In July of 1914, Yeats began communicating during seances with a spirit which he called his daemon, one Leo Africanus, a Renaissance geographer and traveler. At Leo's request, through the voice of the medium, Yeats began a written correspondence in which he would write questions and observations to Leo, and Leo would answer through Yeats's hand. This correspondence would prove influential in Yeats's evolving concept of the sources of artistic inspiration as emanating from the interaction between the physical and the spiritual worlds. Hillman makes another point that can feel a bit harder to swallow, 
that the inevitable accidents and heartbreak of life also belong to the pattern of this acorn image. Erica and I will touch on mutual experiences of grief and loss, including suicide. So please consider this a trigger warning if these are difficult subjects for you at this time. What I can say from my own experiences, as well as my work with clients, is that often the most frightening daemon we can imagine, the experiences we are most terrified of, are the very things that can transform us and help us recommit to our own purpose and authenticity, provided that we have the right support system through this process. Erica and I also speak at length about the notion of conscious parenting, both of literal children as well as each of our own inner child, a part often worked with as part of IFS, internal family systems work in therapy. There is an anonymous quote I love, which says, the creative adult is the child who survived after the world tried killing them, making them grown up. The creative adult is the child who survived the blandness of schooling, the unhelpful words of bad teachers, and the naysaying ways of the world. Unquote. In this spirit, I hope this interview awakens the inner child in us all and inspires us as such. Please enjoy. All right, Erica Cullum, welcome to Psyche Magic. Hi. Hi, Jordan. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I am so excited that you wanted to do this, Erica. I'm a big fan of yours. And so it's really, it's an honor that you wanted to be on the pod. So thank you. Absolutely. I love to talk. So <laughs> anytime anyone's like, will you come talk about things that you like? I'm like, yes, please. I would love to do that. <laughs> Why, yes, I will do that. I will do that. That's awesome. Yay, me too. I feel the exact same way. That's why I have a podcast. Exactly. It's hilarious because as a kid, I was like painfully shy and hated speaking in front of anyone. But, you know, time moves on and I got over that. So yeah, here we are. I love that. I definitely had a similar kind of journey. I've had more of phases. Like for me, when I was a kid, I was very exuberant, like very outgoing, very much a performer. And then more in my kind of teen years, I got more withdrawn. There was some difficult times. There was some trauma. I went in my shell mm -hmm. and I'd say in the last few years, I've been coming back out. So it feels good. It's good to have you out here. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Thanks, Erica. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So let's dig in. I know we have a lot to talk about. Okay. I would love to pull a tarot card for you first, if you're down. Yes, please do. Yay. Okay. Let's see what comes up. Pulling cards is one of my favorite rituals. So always up for that. Mine too. This is just guidance for our conversation and just a little bit of direction, just revealing what we need to see and what will be helpful to us. So, okay. Let's see what comes up. Got it. Oh, yes. Yes, Erica. Okay. This is cool. Oh, queen of pentacles. Queen of Pentacles. We love to see her, Erica. Oh, I do love queens. We are a, <laughs> oh, we are a big fan of queens on this show. Oh yeah. Okay. I have thoughts, but do you have any like associations with this card? Does it bring up anything for you right away? So Pentacles being that earth energy, I am always drawn to because for the astrologically inclined, I am a triple air sign. Yes. And so I am all air and fire. I have one earth placement in my chart and it is my Chiron, which is my, my wounded healer. Yes. So I am always drawn to earth because that balances me. Mm -hmm. So, and that, that queen regal energy I love anyway. So I'm here for queen of pentacles. Yes. Me too. 
I should describe this card just briefly for the listeners if they're not familiar. So this is a really beautiful, like lush earth scene. So there's a woman seated on a throne. There's a beautiful like mountainous and river landscape behind her. She's surrounded by flowers and garden and earth. There's symbols of like flowers and cherubs and mythical creatures all over her throne. She's holding a pentacle in her hands, almost in sort of like a motherly kind of nurturing way. Yes. Very motherly, just lovingly gazing down. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's got that mother Mary archetype kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from what I have learned and studied about this card, Erica, this is the like the archetype and the figure of the working mother of the conscious parent. And that's so interesting because Erica is a parent and Erica is sort of the embodiment of that like very conscious, very connected parent. And I think that this card is reflecting that back to you, Erica. So I think that's really cool. Absolutely. And I actually, I've been thinking a lot recently, it's been about a year and a half since I had uh, someone do a shamanic journey for me. Oh, can you tell us what that is, Erica? Because I am familiar with the term, but I don't know like explicitly what that means. So I think there's probably just like anything in this realm. There's different ways that different people do it. But basically someone energetically traveled to the lower world on my behalf and kind of asked uh, my question, which was about my purpose to talk to spirit guides, whomever is there, which I know probably sounds a lot to to people that aren't into these things, which would have been me a few years ago. But I knew someone in my energy work class, she was learning about this. And so she was offering, I was like, I'm always up for trying anything, right? Like curious. So curious. And if it resonates, it does. And if it doesn't, then there's nothing there. And so I wasn't even there. She, you know, this was something that she got my consent for. She did on my behalf. And then kind of told me what happened there, but it was really interesting because I'd asked her, you know, my one question was about my purpose. And she said that she, you know, went and she had been met by this baboon figure that was like one of my guides. And he took her to like this Island where it was like this forest. And there was like these huge motherly statues. And she was like, you know, you got the sense or the messages that you are here to speak up for the voiceless, like for future generations, for the land, and maybe to help people connect more with their kids or to help kind of how we can raise children, how we can nurture our children to be more conscious of taking care of themselves, taking care of the land. And I'd forgotten about that because that happened, you know, almost two years ago. But it's recently come back up into my awareness because when she told me that I was in a different space and I was like, okay, that's cool. I don't know what I'm going to do with that. Wow. And it's just been recently where a lot of that's been coming back into play where I've started incorporating more parenting and my experience as a parent into my work and the things that I talk about. And then I remembered that shamanic journey. I was like, oh yeah, someone told me a while ago that that was part of what I'm doing. So yeah. Erica, that is so beautiful. That's incredible. The way that that kind of image and that experience can work on you over time. And it might mean one thing when you first encounter it, and then Mm -hmm. it might shape shift and take on a greater meaning. And that's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely one of those things. Like when, when it happened and she was telling me about it, I like, I got like truth chills. I was like, Ooh, there is something in there. Also at the same time, I was like, I don't know what to do with that. Exactly. And so it just kind of, the seed got planted, but it just kind of like went away and got lost in all of the things that I was doing. And then, yeah. And then it comes back up, right? Yes. I think that's the beautiful thing about life is the way that we, we cycle through these things and we live in a culture that's very immediate Yes, and we like instant gratification. And it's just such a great reminder that we can simmer on things and things can be dormant for a while before they kind of rebloom and re come into our awareness. So absolutely. 
there's more that I want to say about the Queen of Pentacles, but I know that there will be more moments in the conversation where she comes back. And right now, what I want to say is that the place that you're leading me is drawing me into this idea of why I love working with dreams so much Mm -hmm. and why I encourage people to work with and track their dream symbols over time. Because dream work is extremely powerful and gratifying, but it is almost never immediate. Like it's almost never straightforward or cut and dry. These symbols work on us and, you know, germinate and marinate in our psyches over time. It's Mm -hmm. just the way it is. And it's such a lesson for us. Like you said, especially in a culture where we're just not trained to give things that kind of time and focus. Yeah. So yeah, (laughs) just needed to say that. Absolutely. And I'm grateful to you for existing, for having this podcast, just to encourage me to pay more attention to my dreams. I know when we were talking last week, the day before we spoke, I had pulled a card telling me I needed to pay attention to my dreams. And so that day I got out a little journals and bulk. Me too. I hoard them. Yeah. So I have a case of them. And so I got a new one out and I was like, this is my dream one. I keep it by my bed. And I've been really you know, I was like, oh, this is perfect timing because I'm, I'm talking to Jordan. We're, we're doing this dream thing that I've been thinking about it more and trying to pay attention more too, because like I said, I'm very airy. There's a neurodivergence. So my brain always has like 700 tabs open anyway, and things get lost in there. Even if I don't write it down, just taking a couple moments, like when I wake up to like consciously think about it and be like, what was that? Like what just happened? Just kind of like piecing it together. And it's been really interesting, even, you know, just in the past week, Okay, kind of like noticing some, the people that show up or like the energy that shows up in the dream. I think it's dreams are such a powerful way for our brains to process things. Like when all of the logic and the practicality is shut down, right? Like our body literally kind of paralyzes itself. It's like, you're going to rest now. And then our dream is just kind of, you know, our brain can just kind of go wild and explore all of these things that our thinking brains wouldn't let it normally while we're awake. Exactly. It is a very sort of free form almost more childlike mm-hmm. form of processing for sure. Yeah. All of that kind of logical way of the world is like you said, shut down. And it is magical because it reawakens that sense of wonder and exploration and that feeling that anything can happen. Yeah. And so many of us get disconnected from that feeling. That's what I tell people is that I have a podcast about dreams and I'm not always remembering to, you know, notice my dreams and follow up on them. But in the little phases where I do, like in those phases where I get into a rhythm with it and I'm really noticing those are such rich moments for me. Mm -hmm. And so just, I remind people like, just do what you can, like tomorrow's a new day, see what you notice. Like it doesn't have to be something that you are like fiercely, committed to every single day, right? It can be something that you sort of dip in and out of, but give yourself permission to try. Absolutely. And I was, I was actually reading this Twitter thread last night about building wealth. Mm -hmm. You know, they were talking about like, obviously wealth isn't just money. I'm glad you said that though, Erica. Yeah. Wealth is not just money. Wealth is a number of things, right? Wealth is your health. It's your well being. It's your peace. It's love. But the whole thought also is that, you know, wealth builds on compound interest, right? It's not like these big payoffs. It's these little bits over long periods of time. And it's just like what you're saying with dreams. Like I think of dreams as like a very subtle magic. Sometimes you might have like this aha moment in a dream, right? Where it's like things just kind of fall into place. But a lot of times it is, it's just, it's us figuring out these little bits of things like over time. And it's not until we maybe are able to pause and reflect back on an extended period of time where we're like, oh yeah, like I see it now. So there's something so, so profound about that, but it it takes us being patient with ourselves to recognize it. 
I completely agree. And I'm coming back to Queen of Pentacles now because I think that this is the card that is about abundance and security, like Mm -hmm. the security that having that kind of wealth of spirit that you're talking about brings us. And I really do think that letting an image work on you over time, going back and being able to look at the way that that has evolved, it can make you feel very connected. Like it can make you Mm -hmm. feel very grounded and tuned in. And so I was talking about this with someone recently, like, even if you do not practice any specific spiritual paradigm, that feeling of connection is inherently spiritual. So, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think people get turned off a little bit by some people, right? I, I definitely did for a while, you know, the spiritual thing, because it's not understandable. I personally, as I've gotten more and more into it, I see science and spirituality as two sides of the same coin. And yes. the things that are more spiritual now are just things that science haven't hasn't caught up with yet to understand. But I think someday we will. It's a false dichotomy. It's not opposites. Yeah. Yeah. It's two sides of the same coin. I agree. Yeah. There's just something so powerful and and getting curious and, and being open to, you know, you don't have to understand how it works. I think that's the the flip side of the, the spirituality thing is science is a little bit more. And I'm very much like this, like I need to know how things work before I can trust them, use them, understand them. And I've really had to release some of that, right? And surrender to some of that as I've gotten into some of these more esoteric modalities that I love now. And you know, it's one of those things I was like, okay, I don't necessarily understand how this works, but I know that it does. And I know that it it resonates for me. So I'm going to go with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me too. I come from a background of like fundamentalist religion. So mm-hmm. just like very, it's the other side of that dichotomy that we're talking about, where it's like, ignore science, ignore your intuition, ignore the evidence of your eyes and ears. And mm-hmm. instead believe this prescribed idea. And so there's, I can see the downfall of going too far on either side. Oh like, yeah. No matter what you believe, you have to be able to trust yourself. So, yeah. yeah. I think that's one of the, the most disappointing things about our culture is that people are taught from a very young age, not to trust themselves when really at the end of the day, like this is the, all you have is you in this meat suit. Like you've got to, you know, just feel like that's, that's so important for us to at least feel comfortable enough in ourselves that we listen to ourselves first, because we have our own, you know, our own security system, our own GPS, like everything humans are innately built to survive. And while I strongly believe that we need to be connected and that we are meant to be, you know, in community with each other. I just, I, I'm, I'm a very big advocate for people trusting themselves and listening to their own intuition and doing, practicing, getting in touch with that because, you know, similarly to you, I was not taught to listen to myself as a kid. And I think that's such a huge disservice. Yeah. We're going to talk more about like conscious parenting. I have shared with listeners that I'm in that phase of my life where I'm considering whether I want to become a parent and talking with people who are taking that journey, like really seriously and not just as a given feels really important to me. So we will talk about that more, Okay, but I want to talk more about your dream. Okay. So tell me more about kind of dream moments that you've had maybe that have felt, you know, important or meaningful, anything that you want to share there? Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, when I was thinking about this and as someone that has not always paid close attention to dreams, yes, the most relevant thing that I could think of as far as like dream moments were, um, almost 10 years ago, my best friend, uh, lost her battle with depression and died (sighs) by suicide. And that just, like wrecked me. Right. And so Erica, I can't imagine. I'm so, so sorry. Yeah. So it took a long time to process that. Of course. And there had been, I'd experienced death in other ways with like grandparents and other people that I knew, but never 
never like that. Right. Never. Absolutely. Never like that. And so completely different. Yeah. So I remember my, my husband, he had had a friend pass away really suddenly too, when he was younger, okay. he had had, it was always one of those things where people talk about like, Oh, people come to you in your dreams. And I was like, that's never happened to me. Yeah. Like I can't relate to that idea. I don't. Yeah. That doesn't, I was like, that's never happened. Like, you know, my grandparents who I adore, no one ever came to me in my dreams, but my husband had a thing where his friend had come to him in dream once. And I was like, Oh, that's so interesting. And I was like, I don't know if that'll ever happen to me. And like months later, she did. And it was the, and it was like one of those things where we were just hanging out and everything was so normal. And then in the middle of it, like I was still asleep and I was still dreaming, but I realized that this was a dream. Yes. And it was just, I think it was the first time that it ever happened to me where I was like, I am dreaming, but I'm aware that I am dreaming and that this is not real. There was a loose, like a lucid moment of, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm aware now. Mm -hmm. I'm aware now. Yeah. And so that was really interesting. And, and then I was like, you know, freaking, I was like, oh my gosh, what happened? I was like, you're not, you're not here. And she was like, yep, I'm not. It's okay. She's like, you're right. right. That's yeah, that's true. Yeah. It was really interesting. I, I woke up crying. Yes, of course. Yeah, that actually happened a couple times. Really? Yeah, which is the most, definitely the most powerful dreams I've ever had, right? Where like- Absolutely. Unconsciously or consciously kind of making those connections. Yes. So that was interesting. Mm-hmm. And I finally got, right, where people were like, oh yeah, they come to you in your dreams. And I was like, oh, it's like, I really thought that that was just a load of rubbish for the longest yeah. time, but I get it now. Yeah, I've experienced that now. And and it sounds like, Erica, that this was a, you know, an important part of your processing, like of that event. Yeah, definitely. I think in any situation where people feel like maybe there was something that they could have done. Yes, Erica. Yes. There's like a guilt there that you have to process. Yes. And so I definitely think that my being was doing that in ways that I couldn't do logically when I was awake. I see. Oh, that makes so much sense. Again, when you are unconscious, when you're in those back parts of your brain, Uh there's a surrender and a letting go that becomes possible. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's no part of your, you know, something like with your logical brain, like I can't, you know, I suppose I'm not going to say there's no way, right? Like some people, sure, sure. you know, talk to psychics or whatever, and they call in people. But for me, I wasn't going to be able to do that. And so I needed, I think, whether it was her, whether it was my brain, yeah. like I needed that permission to like yes. be like, no, it's okay. There's nothing you could have done. Yes. To have that, that kind of internal healing of a moment like that. Yeah. Right. So yeah. So those dreams did that for me. Yes. In a really powerful, like visceral way. Yes. That I think has probably been the most profound dreams that I've ever had. So they were so important. And I think that's the beautiful thing about we all have trauma. We all have whether it's little T trauma or big T trauma, it doesn't matter what the event was necessarily. It's it's how you hold on to it. It's how you replay it in your head. Exactly. The stories that you tell yourself mm-hmm. about it that might need to be adjusted. Right. And I think there's something about in that dream space where we are able to kind of surrender and yes. that it can be as easy as kind of letting yourself figure it out when you're dreaming a little bit. Yes. I really appreciate you sharing that with us, Erica. I know I can see like just in your face how sensitive it is. I want to sort of just share and relate that I've been there. Like I've lost people to suicide and it is so incredibly painful, but I also know that we have to be able to talk about it when we're ready because there are other people out there who need to hear this type of experience and what you go through and that there's grief and that there's tragedy and that we have to have an ongoing process with it. Oh yeah. It's not something that we can, you know, deal with quickly. It's something that has to unfold over time and teach us lessons over time. Like that's grief. That's loss. That's what it does. That's what it's here to teach us. Absolutely. I, um, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I think that there's such a stigma around suicide that 
I think that's getting better over time. And I, I think agree. it's becoming easier to talk about. Yes. But yeah, I mean, I just remember like even, even 10 years ago, it was like, you feel almost like you, it's not your place to say kind of like what happened. Right. Yeah. I know what you mean. I see that even today, like, because there is, it comes with this whole, it's like a very loaded word, right? And people start making assumptions or having these points of view where you're like, no, 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 no. It's such a difficult word for people. It really is. It's so hard for people to remain open once they hear it. Yeah. So I think that was a really interesting, I mean, it was just, it was one of those things to work through. I was just like, it, it was obviously something new, that type of like sudden loss. And with someone that I was so close to was just, yeah, I'm very, very grateful. I'm very grateful for the dreams Mm -hmm. um, to help me process. Yes. And Ram Dass, I watched Ram Dass documentary months later, and it was the first thing that had brought me any comfort. Really? Yeah. There was a, um, in the documentary, there's, if you ever look it up for anyone that has ever lost anyone, tragically, suddenly look up Ram Dass letter to Rachel's parents. And he had written this letter to parents who had lost their child. And I actually send it to pretty much anyone that, that loses someone kind of in that way. It just, it's very comforting. Yeah. But it is the, the first thing that kind of like gave me any peace that that's just part of their story. I see. Obviously they didn't mean to hurt anyone, but that's just, I can't summarize Ramdas. You just have to go find it. It's beautiful. (laughs) And I will be sure to link to that and I will share a similar, just like insight that I eventually arrived at after all of my own grief process of blaming myself and struggling Mm. and then getting to this point, a card that I worked with a lot during that time was the wheel of fortune card, Mm -hmm. like the karmic wheel and sort of arriving at this place of finally understanding that I can't be in charge of someone else's karmic wheel that it's such, it's so much of a bigger force than just me. Mm -hmm. And like finally arriving in that place also felt very freeing. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think that one of the biggest disservices that we do for ourselves, for everybody is that we don't talk about death and grief enough, which it is one of the only constants in life, right? Like that's, that's definitely going to happen for all of us. And the way that we shy away from that is it's not helping us. So (laughs) I, I love to be able to be part of a conversation where we can talk about that and we can have honest conversations about that. And, you know, if you need to cry about it, if you need to yell about it, it's, it's okay. We, We have to process those, those feelings, right? We have to process those emotions. And I think too, maybe, you know, that dream, I literally grew up in a family where they were like, we don't talk about feelings, really? right? Like, like that was made explicit, like that was made explicit, but that's just not a thing that we do. And so even though clearly I don't practice that anymore, there's still some parts of that, right? When there's things that just feel too heavy or shameful or, you know, whatever kind of those low vibrational feelings, like things we want to escape Right. So I think the dream was really, really important for helping process that in a way that was healthy and safe, Yes, but still felt like within my comfort zone. Yes. That makes so much sense, Erica. The listeners know this, but you don't. I'm a Scorpio. I have like multiple Scorpio placements. And so I think that a big part of why I'm here is to sort of like normalize and work with death, like in a bigger way. And it's something that I am in the process of learning a lot about. So, um, yeah, I think that it can be so uncomfortable. And yet I loved what you said about how we do ourselves a disservice by trying to turn away from it and escape it. And that there's freedom in being able to integrate death as a part of life. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you talking about dealing with the wheel of fortune card and kind of these karmic circles and, you know, we can't control or kind of even steer others' lives. And I think that just brings me back to the parenting thing, because that's one of the biggest things I've had to learn as a parent is to, (sighs) as much as I'm attached to my child, I also have to detach and I have to know that she's here on her own path. And, you know, like I, I cannot be responsible, nor should I be responsible for 
everything that happens to her, everything that she does. So right. That's part of it. That's right. In my work as a therapist, I do a lot of inner child work. And a lot of what I see is that there are so many wounds inflicted by parents who try to exert too much control and influence over who their child is. Because just like you said, each human is here on their own path. That's just the truth. It really is. And I talk about my child and my experience as a parent because, and I always say this because whether or not you have a child, you know, a child, right? You are, whether you realize it or not, you are influencing them, but also whether or not you have a child, you have an inner child. Like you have these parts of yourself that whether you're conscious of it or not, you revert back to, you revert back to your childhood and the way that you learned something or the way that something felt when this happened to you. And yes, it will be with you forever. Yeah. And so paying attention to that is really important. And it's really interesting because half of my social circle have chosen not to have children, Okay, but a lot of them, the more we talk about it, like they'll start following like the conscious parenting, you know, Instagrams or something because they're like, oh, this is actually, it's helping me understand why I am the way that I am now, you know, learning either ways that their upbringings were very supportive or maybe not very supportive and just kind of how they can talk to themselves differently or how they can kind of like reframe what happened to them and and heal those parts that maybe didn't get the love and nurturing that they would have liked or needed at the time. Yes. Yes. I encourage all of my clients that we are all a parent to our inner child. Like that is a really important role that we step into as adults. Yeah. And I, yeah, like, as I sit with the question of whether or not I want to be a literal parent, like bear my own child, I remember that like, I'm already a parent, like, we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. On that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. This is a poem by William Butler Yeats entitled The Double Vision of Michael Robarts, circa 1919. On the gray rock of Cashel, the mind's eye has called up the cold spirits that are born when the old moon is vanished from the sky and the new still hides her horn. Under blank eyes and fingers never still, the particular is pounded till it is man. When had I my own will? Oh, not since life began. Constrained, arraigned, baffled, bent and unbent by these wire-jointed jaws and limbs of wood, themselves obedient, knowing not evil and good obedient to some hidden magical breath. They do not even feel so abstract are they, so dead beyond our death, triumph that we obey. On the gray rock of Cashel, I suddenly saw a sphinx with woman breast and lion paw, a Buddha hand at rest, hand lifted up that blessed. And right between these two, a girl at play, that it may be had danced her life away. For now being dead, it seemed that she of dancing dreamed. Although I saw it all in the mind's eye, there can be nothing soldier till I die. I saw by the moon's light, now at its fifteenth night. One lashed her tail, her eyes lit by the moon, gazed upon all things known, all things unknown. In triumph of intellect, with motionless head erect, that other's moonlit eyeballs never moved, being fixed on all things loved, all things unloved. Yet little peace he had, for those that love are sad. 
Oh, little did they care who danced between, and little she by whom her dance was seen, so that she danced. No thought, body perfection brought. For what but eye and ear silence the mind, within the minute particulars of mankind? Mind moved yet seemed to stop as twere a spinning top. In contemplation had those three so wrought upon a moment and so stretched it out that they, time overthrown, were dead yet flesh and bone. I knew that I had seen, had seen at last, that girl my unremembering nights hold fast or else my dreams that fly if I should rub an eye and yet in flying fling into my meat a crazy juice that makes the pulses beat and though I had been undone by Homer's paragon who never gave the burning town a thought to such a pity of folly I am brought being caught between the pull of the dark moon and the full the commonness of thought and images that have the frenzy of our western seas. Thereon I made my moan, and after kissed a stone, and after that arranged it in a song, seeing that I, ignorant for so long, had been rewarded thus in Cormac's ruined house. Erica, is there anything else that you want to share about sort of dream life or even your child's dream life? Like, is there anything interesting happening there? Uh, Yeah. So she's five and I encourage her to tell me about her dreams if she wants to talk about them. And a lot of mornings she'll wake up and she's like, I was having the best dream. Usually it has to do with like her living in whatever cartoon show she's like into right now so we are very big fans of avatar the last airbender oh yeah so that's been like a non-stop favorite for a couple years now so a lot of times she'll be in avatar land recently got into power rangers she was in power rangers land last night but she's so funny because she'll talk about it a lot how if she wakes up she'll be like oh no no i was having a good dream i need to go back to my dream i'm like okay and she'll like roll over and go back to sleep (laughs) i know that feeling yeah (laughs) And, but she claims that she, she can easily get back to her dreams. Right. And so she was actually telling us about this in the car the other day. She was like, oh yeah. She's like, it's so easy. She's like, you know, just like you hit pause in your brain and then you can close your eyes again and you can hit pause and you can just go back to it. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, if you have that ability, like hang on to that. That's really cool. She has scary dreams sometimes too, which are, you know, are not as fun and she'll talk about that. And so I dubbed myself like a a 21st century witch. And so we make potions. Like I have a little satchel of mugwort under my pillow. You know, we write down like, what are things that you want to let go of? And she's always done this with us, even, you know, if she's just scribbling or drawing pictures or whatever, but you know, some of the things that that she was letting go of were some of her bad dreams that she still remembers. So we'll put them in our little bonfire. Excellent. I don't know. It's been really fun. Like, cause she likes talking about her dreams. So too, in the waking world, you know, talk about them you know, when we have a bad dream to physically kind of try to dispel that energy or alchemize it into, you know, something else, whether we burn it or whatever else. And, you know, having our little dream pillows, she still, she still sleeps with us. So she, my pillow is her pillow. So, you know, we've got that under there. So that's for our good dreams, but yeah, it's really fun. And I'm, I'm happy to encourage that because I don't know, I grew up in a, in a space where, dreams were not appreciated. Like dreams were kind of silly. Okay. Like dismissed, like, yeah, like they're not a big deal. You know, whether it was like your actual dreams you had while you were sleeping or people talk about dreams too, as just like these aspirations. Oh, sure. And so yeah, dreams are always just kind of, yeah, you know, I came from a very like practical conservative, like 
that doesn't make sense. I'm with you. You know, that's not practical. You don't have to pay any attention to that. And so definitely swing very much the other way now in my parenting. I'm like, tell me about your dreams. Like what was happening? You know, what did you love about it? What was scary about it? Because it is regardless of what we believe about a dream's function. The one thing that we can't deny is that it's experiential. Like I'm having this physiological and mental experience while I'm asleep. Like you mentioned waking up crying from a dream and that will happen to me often, right? Like my body is still having this, this experience and it can be helpful to process it. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, that was totally new to me because I'm not a watery person. Yeah. I don't have tears a lot. So for me, for like my body to be like, no, you need to release this. You need to process this. You need to release this. We're going to do it for you. Yeah. When you're not paying attention. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I guess I do. So Mm -hmm. it's helped me, right? Like having a kid is just like having a little mirror walk around with you all the time. I love when people put it that way, that even though I've never experienced it, that makes so much sense to me. I mean, that's, that's how kids learn. Just they're just little sponges. Right. And so they pick up on everything. She hears everything. She takes everything in and then she reflects it back. She gives it back and with her own little twist. It's really interesting to see the world like that. And I think talking about that kind of child led thing, you know, she's into dreams. She wants to talk about dreams. All right, cool. Let's do that. Let's see where that goes. And I'm, I hope that that practice serves her well, you know, throughout her life that she's aware and paying attention to these things that, you know, just like we were talking about, I think there's information in these dreams, right? There's healing, there's processing, there's maybe things that our our logical brains aren't picking up on. And so I think that there's stuff in there that is really beneficial for us to pay attention to if we're willing to be curious and just give them a pause and give them a moment of reflection. So Mm -hmm. yeah, like by teaching awareness of our dream lives, we're also just teaching like mindfulness skills in general, like learning to be still and pay attention. And we know how valuable that is actually empirically, scientifically. So just another avenue to that. Yeah. I love that your daughter has also kind of tapped into this ability, like she said, pressing pause and then putting herself Mm -hmm. back into a dream state. My intuitive take on that, not knowing her or knowing the situation is that there's sort of that power of like thought and belief, like her kind of knowing and believing that she can do that lets her do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I can do it because I know I can. (laughs) Right. And I think too, like as kids, so many like shows and books and movies are all about magic and are all about these things that as adults we're like that's not possible but as kids that's what we feed to our children and then we try to tell them that that's not real and so we're very much the opposite we're like you know what maybe that is real maybe mm-hmm. maybe we can do that mm-hmm. maybe we just need to practice that some more so yeah even I did some energy work training a couple years ago. And so, you know, it'd be one of those things where it'd be like, okay, we're going to go out to the garden and we are going to like, you know, like give this energy to the plants. We're going to like help them grow. And, you know, we see it in movies, like we're watching Star Wars and, you know, they have the force and they're healing people and whatever else. It's like, oh yeah, maybe, maybe we can do that. Maybe we don't shoot green light out of our hands, but there's something to that. And there, there is science behind that, right? There's quantum entanglement. There's, oh yeah, there are these things that we don't necessarily know exactly how they work, but we just know that there are tangible, recordable things where when people, when I was a kid, it was thoughts and prayers, right? And there was prayer chains, but there is something about holding space for people in that way and just sending love or sending healing, sending whatever that it can make actual like quantable differences. So Mm -hmm. I know no matter what sort of paradigm you use or what you call it, those forces are real. Mm -hmm. I think that's why we continue to like feed our children. These stories is because deep down, maybe even unconsciously archetypally, I think that we all really know and want to believe in that. And I think that there's a lot of just hardenedness and defensiveness that I see 
as people get older, as they walk through like a wounded world that can push yeah. thoughts away and it can feel hard to maintain that belief yeah. as adults. Yeah. And so for me, like rediscovering that has been extremely healing for my inner child and also otherwise. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, and that's the thing too, like when we, you know, when we talk about magic at our house, it's like, you know, I think it's magic that a tiny seed has everything it needs to grow into a giant plant or a tree or, or whatever else. Like that's magic at our house. Yes, It's magic when we want to do something or we're whatever we want to happen. It's like, oh, we want cookies. And then like a neighbor drops off cookies the next day. Like those kinds of things are magic at our house. And so we're like, yeah, no, we can, we can do that. And we can talk about that. And even though they might not happen, you know, is shown on a, on a kid's cartoon or something like that. Like why, why wouldn't, why couldn't they be possible? Exactly. Like making space to let those little moments, those little synchronicities in. Yeah. Because it's exciting. I love that. Erica, I'm just, I'm very just touched and inspired by that. So thank you. Yeah. Okay. We are gosh, already coming up on the end of time, which is crazy, but please Erica, teach us a little bit more about just your work and what you're up to and like how listeners can follow along and engage with you because I know they're going to want to. So, well, thank you. My business is called Collective Commons. It's been going through quite a transformation over the past couple of years as I've been transforming. Um, but that's the beauty of owning your own business, right? So I actually worked with startups for a long time. And I've always worked in places where I am with a lot of people. And I naturally just kind of became the motherly glue type figure. My office always kind of became like an official talk it out space. I love that. Like even way before I was a mom, like I was always I was, I was always usually with a lot of men too. Like I lived on a tour bus for a couple of years with a band wow. doing tour managing. Um, I've worked with like creative, like web designers and developers and graphic designers. I've done a lot of random things, but I got really bored of like corporate worlds. So I went and I got my um, certification in holistic coaching. And so now I just kind of like play in this space that I'm creating where I do a lot of intuitive life and business coaching as I've been kind of, I'm out of the witchy closet now, but for a while I wasn't, I was like tiptoeing around it, but I have a virtual coven for beautiful people that I've met from all around the world where we support each other in our endeavors. And, you know, we also, we also practice like rituals and spell casting and stuff together. And I've also started doing some more incorporating my parenting more. I think that was the thing that for a long time, I I didn't know if it was okay. I didn't want to exploit my child. Right. I didn't want to be like, I completely understand. I really wanted to keep that separate. And like, I still will never post her online or anything like that because I'm not using her. I know some, some people like to post kids online. That's fine. I didn't feel comfortable with that. Right. Like I was like, not until she's old enough to be able to consent to what she wants her presence to be. So I've been really kind of understanding what is the line between sharing what's my experience and, you know, letting her tell her story. Very important. It's beautiful. Yeah. But I've, I've been getting more into, I've been, you know, like we talked about at the beginning, I've been called to share more of kind of that parenting thing and, and we homeschool. So I've been leading more kind of like homeschool groups and we're actually this year, we're working through the wheel of the year. So we're meeting up for each of the eight Sabbaths and kind of having a little family friendly group about that. And I've got an online class for that as well. If you can't be with us in person here in Nashville. So, yeah, I mean, really, I am that person where I can't niche down. Like that's, you know, all of the business models are like, you need to niche down. You need to have this one thing. And I'm like, I will not, I I will not. I cannot, I can't, I just, I do not know how to. So really, I just like to be, um, you know, I like to create soft spaces for hard conversations. And I like to just be kind of that really open-minded, non-judgmental space for people to, I think of it a lot as a sandbox in my coaching where like you come in, you just kind of like, let's dump out whatever is like swirling around in that beautiful brain of yours. And let's kind of sift through it and figure out like, 
what's not serving you, what, what are the gems that we can mine out of there, right. That we can, we can work with and just kind of like figure that out. I think for like in your work as a therapist, I think that and have someone to talk about these things with, then I am happy to be that person because I think that's, you know, we talked about at the beginning, like I was like, I love talking because I'm all air, but I spent the first 30 something years of my life, not talking and just listening because I was too scared to talk. And so I'm a very good listener. I also, I can't see things as black and white, just like I can't niche down. And so I think a lot of times, sometimes all we need is just a place to, to kind of dump that out and then get some one, just be seen and heard, but also maybe get some perspective shifts Yes, to help us like come at something a different way. Right. Because I don't, I don't think that we're ever stuck. I think we just need to kind of shift or pivot and come at it from a different angle. So yes. I love to be that person for people. I love that. I really, one of the things I appreciate about your work, because there are so many, but I appreciate the fact that you have this kind of dual interest in not only the one-to-one, but also this kind of like community building and even like sort of self-guided study that you do, like your Artist Way program that you do is so beautiful, yeah. creating community around that and just letting people kind of guide themselves through that work, but within, you know, a group. Yeah. Because I love being a therapist, but a lot of what I struggle with is that just kind of limitation of like the one-to-one. And so I mm-hmm. love partnering with people who have that gift of like building community. And it was so cool because I came across your work and I was so interested. And then I realized that you were right here in Nashville and that just makes me so happy. Like another little synchronicity. So absolutely. Yeah. I, I love group work because, and maybe this is part of my yet to be fully healed or we ever fully healed, but like people pleasing (laughs) thing, you know, I know for a long time, I was too shy to talk to anybody buddy one-to-one or even in a group. And so I needed to do things on my own, like self-paced and kind of figure it out on my own until I felt comfortable enough being around other people. And then I remember when I went to my coach training and I walked in and I walked into a room and it was just a circle of chairs. And I was like, Oh no. I was like, what, what did I get myself into? I don't know why I thought that I was going to be able to learn how to be a coach without having to talk about my own stuff. (laughs) But I was like, Oh, this is not what I thought I was doing. I see things in such a spectrum and I also just love making things. And so I, I like being able to give people like different accessibility points so that they can kind of get in where they're comfortable. Because if you're not comfortable coming to a group yet, then that's okay. Like maybe there's another option for you. And also if you are comfortable in coming to a group, but you aren't comfortable speaking yet, that's okay too. Because I've found that sometimes in group settings, I don't even need to say anything because he just hearing other people's stories, like that was the medicine that I needed. So I think that there's power in all of it and it's, you know, you get in where you fit in. That's right. Oh, I love that. Erica, you are awesome. You are such a queen of pentacles. I'm just looking at her again and just this kind of like master mother, master facilitator, master safety and security builder. And I'm so glad that we have you here in this world. You're awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Jordan. It was so fun to talk to you and good. Yeah. Whew. What a trip. I have laughed. I have cried. I have been through all of it in, a, in all an the hour. Things. I am sweating. All the emotions. How we know it was good. <laughs> I know. Exactly. We had a very, like, just a very holistic time together. We got to like dip into all the things. Dip into all the things. Yeah. That's, that's how I like to do it. Me too. Thank you for the opportunity. Good. Good. I'm so glad. I, got so much out of it. I know the listeners will too. I know they'll be so excited to follow along with you. So I'm so glad to have met you. Thank you, Erica, so much for being on the show. Thanks, Jordan. That's a wrap for this episode. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment now to subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app of choice. It really makes a difference and helps other people find the show. Thank you again to my guest, Erica Cullum. You've given us a shining example of the fierce bravery that can only be found through vulnerability. I'm so thrilled to have crossed paths. Do you have questions or a dream you want to share? 
please drop me an email at psychemagicpodcast at gmail.com. You can also leave me a voicemail via the link in show notes. I'd love to hear from you and you could be featured on a future episode. You can also follow us on Instagram at psyche underscore magic. Check out my Psyche Magic playlist on Spotify. The link is in show notes. Psyche Magic was produced and recorded by me, Jordan Hale. Editing for this episode is by Misuzu Inaga. Our theme music is by Young Summer. Artwork is by Annika Murphy. Special thanks go to Daniel Higby. You can check out information about this and other episodes on our website, www.psychemagicpodcast.com. Psyche Magic is available via Anchor across all podcasting platforms. Thank you so much for listening. I'll leave you with a question. If you must sleep through a third of your life, are you willing to sleep through your dreams too? Get your dream journals out, y'all. Until next time.